Why is Jesus such a hard name for some people to stomach? What is so offensive about Jesus? I mean, Luke, the first century historian, introduces us to Jesus in the Gospels and then further introduces us to the life of Jesus and his followers in the book of Acts. And, and he, he writes these stories for us, historically accurate for us to understand how Jesus makes a difference in life. And, and they're, they're great stories, but people don't seem to always appreciate Jesus. And I don't get it. Because what's not to like about Jesus, right? He's, he's blessing little children. He's, you know, helping old ladies that are sick. He's healing blind people, you know, freeing lepers of their leprosy. He's raising little girls from the dead. I mean, he's doing a bunch of great stuff. He's feeding multitudes. What's not to like about Jesus? But even in the first century until this very day, people are still threatened. Jesus. And so early in his account in chapter 4, which we read last week, we find Peter and John sitting in this intimidating group of powerful men, the who's who of Jerusalem, the same group, the same author, authorized legislative body that condemned Jesus to be executed is now hosting this gathering with Peter and John. Can you imagine how that would feel? Just a couple months earlier, Christ had been condemned by this group, and now here they sat in front of these men. And they were asked a question because they came into the temple. This man asked for money. Peter reaches down and in Jesus' name offers him salvation. He grabs his hands. Not only does he receive salvation, but he's healed. A cripple for 40 years walks into worship with Peter and John. And everyone's like, what's going on here? The temple police take these two apostles, throw them in jail. Now they're in front of the court. And they're wondering, is this our time? Some of you have, thre have faced threatening situations, but I'm not sure it's as threatening as this. I mean, they put Jesus down. You're not anywhere close to Jesus. So, I mean, you're collateral damage. They could easily remove you from the situation, too. And so there they stand, and they're asked, how did you do this? Who authorized you to do this? And they go, well, in the name of Jesus, we did this. And in the end of that section, verse 12, there's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among people by which we must be saved. Maybe that's why Jesus is so irritating because he's so narrow and yet so broad. I mean, it's like there's one name, but anyone can be saved and under that name. But there's only one name, but it's, it's open for all. It doesn't matter where you come from, where you grew up, how much education you have, what language you speak. Christ is the Savior of the world. And so in verse 13 is where we find ourselves today, continuing the story. Now, just walk with me through the story. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and discovered that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed. I mean, it's like, wow. I mean, they were not illiterate men. Just understand, that's not what he's saying. It's not that they, you know, they were some you know, hillbillies that didn't you know, speak you know, right or right. I mean, they're, they're, they were just, they weren't, these were tradesmen. 
right? Like they had a system where you got to a certain point and either you went into the rabbinical school or you went and, and did, got a real job. That's kind of how it worked in, in the Jewish culture, right? So, so if you wanted to become a rabbi, you were the elite of the elite. Well, these guys hadn't taken the, the upper education path. They had taken the, the hands hard, you know, like, you know, fishing, carpentry, stonemasons. They, they took that path, the trade route. Like these are just commoners. They aren't men that have moved and swam in our circles of authority and influence. These are just commoners from Galilee. Like, like who are these guys? And how do they speak so well? Like, what's going on? But now the, the, the reader of Acts knows. You know the answer to this, right? Because Jesus said in Acts 1, you're going to receive power. And then you're going to be my witnesses. So what we see happening in, in chapter 4 is the fulfillment of Jesus' promise. They've received the power, boom, and now they're witnessing, boom, boom. And it says at the end of that, you see that last line? They were amazed and recognized that these men had been with Jesus. That the, 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 the one acknowledgement that showed up on their resume, on their curriculum, vitae, on, the, you know, on, on their, you know, their LinkedIn page or whatever it is, was, oh yeah, those are one of those guys that have been with Jesus. Now, I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm sure the apostles were like, wow, yeah. This is, if you're going to give me a badge, that's the badge I want. Yeah, that's one of those guys that are with Jesus. Could people say that about you? Oh yeah, she's one of those women that are with Jesus. You know, if you were to go on trial for your faith, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Or would they be like, well, they live just like everyone else at the workplace or at school. They're, they're no different. But these guys are not. Oh, yeah, those are some of those guys. They're the, they're the Jesus people. In the, in the 90s, we had DC Talk at this book called Jesus Freaks. They also had a CD of the same ilk. You know, sort of talking about different people who live their lives for Jesus and were kind of, you know, on the edge that way. And it's like, oh, you know, these are Jesus freaks. Yeah, there they are. They've been with Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's who they are. Oh, yeah. Now we understand. Jesus. In the Sanhedrin, that was like a swear word. I mean, it's like your workplace, right? I mean, it was, even back then, it was a swear word. Don't, don't mention that name. I don't want to hear that name. It's like saying certain politicians in our country, you know, you just don't say those names. It's, you might as well swear, right? I mean, I mean so here it is. You know, oh, Jesus. And it says in verse 14, and because they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say against this. I mean, what do you do? There's these two uneducated, ordinary men who had been with Jesus, and there's the cripple standing there, smiling. <laughs> you know, maybe doing his jig still, you know. Oh, yeah, you know, he's sleeping and praising God. You know, I mean, he, he just can't believe it. He's, I mean, how do you argue that? And they're like, how did this happen? Jesus. Rats. How do we get rid of this problem? Verse 15. But when they had ordered them to go outside the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, verse 16, what should we do with these men? What are we going to do with these guys? For it's plain to all who live in Jerusalem that a notable, miraculous sign has come about through them, and we cannot deny it. 
the challenge with the book of Acts is Luke is describing spiritual activity in a physical world. That's the challenge you have when you ever talk about Jesus to people, is, is, is they maybe know Jesus as, as religious expression, as, as words on paper, but you know Jesus as a spiritual reality in your life, and it's hard to, to describe that. These men are looking at spiritual reality. They see something has happened, but they don't really want to deal with it internally. People can witness miracles and still not turn to faith in Christ. It's mind-blowing to us. Like, you just saw that happen. How could you not want to receive and follow and believe in and surrender your life to the king of kings? Why wouldn't you? And Well, because I got my own kingdom and I'm happy here. And Boy, he's really going to mess up our world if we follow him. And, and, and so here, here's the, the battle going on. They know something significant has happened, but they don't really want to deal with it. And so what happens every summer at camps? Kids go to camp, and they have this emotional experience, and it's really exciting and good, and they come back to, to Lloyd or wherever they live, and, and they're not sure how to translate that into the real world. And some effectively do it, some don't. Some kind of like, I have a Christian experience at camp, and then I, I come back and I just live my life. And then I go back and I have a Christian experience at camp, and then I come back and live my life. Some, even teenagers, adults, go and do missions and they have a Christian experience in, uh, in some setting over there and they come back and they live their life. And there's kind of this disconnect. Something has happened. We cannot deny it, but we don't want to believe it. So understand, as you're out there telling people about what's happened in your life, and it's irrefutable, what you were before, what you are now, it's not the same. They may not get excited about it as you are or, or even want to understand it. They might be like, they're just going to dismiss it. Oh, well, what, whatever. Verse 17. But to keep the matter from spreading any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. Now notice, the, the, the command of Jesus to be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Like it was supposed to be a message that spread. So here, the message is spreading. It's doing exactly what Jesus said. We got to stop this from spreading. This is like a bad case of, you know, you know milkweed or something in the field. We, we got to stop it. It's, it's, it's getting out of hand here. Let's, let's tell him, don't talk about this name anymore. Remember, these are the same group of men, the same legislative body that condemned Jesus to be executed. So, so you, you know who they're standing against here. This is not a democracy. There's probably no court of appeal here. This is it. So you, you got to understand the heat that's on the, the apostles right now. And in verse 18 it says, and they called them in and they ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Don't talk about him. Don't mention that name. Get it out of here. I don't want to hear it again. You're done. It's over. What would you have done? Just quietly go home, pack up your stuff, move out of Jerusalem. Go to the hills, find a little place and just live off the grid. Survive. What would you do? Just kind of say, oh, I'll just take my faith underground and just witness with my life and not talk about it. What would you do? In verse 19, 
What did Peter and John do? Peter and John replied. Whether it is right before God to obey you rather than God, you decide. I mean, look, you're putting a choice in front of us here. Do we, do we, do we listen to you or do we listen to God? I mean, it sounds almost foolish, right? I mean, like, which one are you going to pick? But, but, but they're just saying, this is what you're asking us to do. And then they explain in verse 20. For it is impossible for us not to speak about what we have seen and heard. And in the Greek, this is a double negative here, right? So it's like this, like, like, like there's just no way we can't do this. You don't, you don't get it. We saw it. We heard it. We witnessed it. I mean, we were there at the empty tomb on, on, on Sunday morning. I mean, how can I not talk about that? I'm not making this stuff up, Peter and John. Are like, 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 we just reached out to the guy in the name of Jesus, and he's walking into the temple. I can't, I can't make this up, guys. This is what we've seen and heard. It's impossible for us to not talk about this. The truth of God's word is, is powerful, and it's compelling. You know, Martin Luther stood before this diet Similar kind of fashion. All the who's who, the power of the Roman Catholic Church, just circling around him saying, quit writing, quit talking, quit doing the things you're doing. And he replies in, in the Diet of Worms in 1521, he says, unless I am convicted by Scripture and plain reason, in brackets, I do not accept the authority of popes and councils because they have con contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to do the, to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe, so help me God, amen. And he's waiting, okay, others have died for this, but I, I guess if this is what God's word says, this is what I'm doing. And so the, the, the Reformation happened. Celebrated 500 years, just, just getting COVID there. We can't do this. Do you understand what's happening here? This is the question I asked when we entered a zone there in the last couple of years. Like, where's the line? The line is when, when anyone asks us to do something that's contrary to what God has asked us. That's the line. And, and you say, if it's a choice of God or, or some legislative authority, then it's clearly God that we choose. And we leave the results up to God, right? It's, it's kind of like, like, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? In the book of Daniel, they're, they're there. Okay, bow down to the idol. Bow down to the idol. We can't bow down to the idol. We're Jews. We worship the one and only God. He's like, well, that's it. Then I'm throwing you in. Like, even if we die, it doesn't matter. And our God can deliver us. And he throws them into the fiery furnace. Boom. So hot, the guys throwing them in die. Boom. And they look in the furnace, and there they are walking around with Jesus. Because we know deep down that God is right and true and eternal and everything else will pass away. And maybe you hadn't thought about those things before 2019 because you just lived a comfortable Christian life here in Canada. But now we have to think, what, what is it that, that you stand for, that, that, that line where you will not cross? What is it? For them, it's like we cannot stop talking about Jesus. Even if you threaten us, even if we know you crucified Jesus, we're, we're, we're not stopping. We saw this. We witnessed it. But, I mean, how can we not share this? We will share this story. And so uh, 
Verse 21. After threatening them further, they released them, for they could not find how to punish them on account of all the people, because they were all praising God for what had happened. And everyone's just like, wow, this is amazing. Look at this guy. Yeah, woohoo! You know, and, and so they find themselves in this battle of, okay, we, we got to stop these guys, but we can't stop these guys because the crowd is right behind them. And what do we do? Look, you guys, stop doing it. Stop, you know, you're going you're gonna to pay. You're going to pay. And, they, and some of them would pay. With their very lives, they would pay. Today, men and women are paying with their lives. Open Door says there's 320 million Christians being persecuted right now. It's, it's a mind-boggling number, but it's understandable. Like, like in some of the most populated countries of our world, believers are, are, are under threat. They're, they're facing what we're, what we're reading about here. They're being told not to talk about it, not to do this. Pressure, pressure, pressure. But they believe in it, and they can't stop talking about it. You will get pressure from others as you begin to really take Jesus seriously in your life, others will be like, what are you doing? When, when you decline the party invitation, because like, yeah, you know, getting drunk and doing the bush. What, like, I did that before Christ. I don't do that anymore. I want to go to this. We're going to go to Vegas. I'm like, yeah, that, that, that was my life before Christ. I'm not interested. Uh, people might be surprised that your sexual morality has changed because, you're, no, no, I, I, I'm concerned about God's holiness. And so, yeah, my life now is, is aligned with God's word and God's standard. And, and I know that's not the world standard, but this is important to me. I want to get it right, and God's way is right. They're like, why are you spending money? I'm like, why, why give to the church? Like, you can't afford that. I like, I can't afford not to. This is God's command, and his, his blessing comes with it, so I, I, this is why I do what I do. Why would you waste time at church when you could be fishing or golfing? Because you know? it's the body of Christ, and when I go there, man, I'm encouraged, I'm built up. I'm, I'm, you know, and, and there's all these things that will come as a result of Jesus, I remember my own family would say to my parents, like, wasn't our, our tradition good enough for you? Like, why did you have to change? Like, wasn't, wasn't the orthodox thing good? Like, like, like come on, we were, we were faithful, we were religious, we were spiritual. But they didn't have Jesus. And my dad would say, no, no, but, but I now have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I didn't have that. And that has changed everything. <laughs> I've told the story, you know, my dad left the mill to go work at a Bible camp, and they just thought we'd gotten involved in some crazy cult, and all the family came that summer to visit us, saying, oh, they're involved in the Moonies, you know, they're going to shave their heads and, you know, hand out flowers at the airport. It's like, what's going to happen now to the Nelcos? Oh, no. No, he's just serving Jesus, helping kids come to the know Christ by taking care of a camp facility, and I just saw that, and I said, yeah, that's what Jesus does. He changes he wrecks your life and then rebuilds it. Some of you need to be wrecked. You're still king of your own kingdom. You're resisting God's leadership in your life. You are, you are insisting on getting it your way, just like these men were. And the message to you today is quit resisting because you cannot resist Jesus Christ. Someday you will bow for him, either willingly or forcibly. So take the easy path. Willingly bow and receive what he offers you today. Um, the other message is, like, you know, when we're obedient to God, like, that's the safest place to be. It may not feel safe in, in the circumstances of life, but it's the safest place to be. 
you may get in trouble because you're not doing what everyone else is doing. I heard, I, one of the sisters in our church said, yeah, you know what, like in my workplace, there's a lot of, you know, kind of, you know, fudging the rules. And I won't do that. And I've, I've been pressured to do that because everyone else is doing that. And she says, no, I, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to be truthful. I'm going to be honest. And I'm like, yes, keep on. Why? Because she's more concerned about what God thinks about her than the evaluation of her employers and of her managers. But, but here's the challenge. This is what comes with Jesus. Why don't you come to the parties? I don't, I don't want to. Why don't you do that? Why don't you, you know, and, and because I, I love Jesus more than I love any of that stuff. And so lives were changed. And in verse 22 it says, For the man on whom this miraculous sign of healing had been performed on was over 40 years old. And so every time they came to the temple now and this man was in there, it was just another, just burn their side of Jesus. Oh yeah, there's the Jesus guy, the Jesus freak, you know. In the name of Jesus, he was healed. What, what do we do with this? You know, they can't get rid of everyone who Jesus affected because the group keeps growing. There's over 5,000 now. And it keeps growing. In fact, later on, you'll find out a bunch of priests convert to become followers of, Meshi, of Jesus, the Messiah, right? And so, so this is just, it's getting out of control. And the enemy of, of God, Satan, has tried to stop this for every century since Christ has lived. And he's still trying to stop it today. And he'll use any means possible. He will use health issues like we went through the last two years. He will use political issues. He will use social issues. He will use churchy religious issues. He'll use anything, anything. In Canada, he'll use money and status, and education, and children, and whatever else is, is important to you. He'll use it all to try to distract you from Jesus. But take a note from this story that there is just life-changing power in the name of Jesus. And God invites you to experience that today. To surrender to this king. To obey him, first and foremost, in all Thanks. And to be a bold witness. And that's kind of the next passage, but we'll get to that next time. But I just, you know, there is a line. I won't cross that line. If it comes to doing what God says and what some humanistic authority comes up with, I mean, I'm gonna, God's going to win every time. Even if people in this church are disagreeing, God's going to win every time. If you can show me from God's word where I'm wrong, I, I will listen to it. But if it's just you saying, the government said it, you got to do it. No, 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 it doesn't cut it. When God's word is, stands above that every time, understand that's where I come from. I will get fired for that reason. I'm fine with that. Because I want to obey him first and foremost in everything. Do you have a line in your life? Is, 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 is there places where you say, no, I'm not going to go there because God is very clear about that? Or do you just kind of float with everyone else? God's inviting us to, to, to pursue him, to step out of the, 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 the lane where everyone else is just going and to say, no, I'm following Jesus. And that means sometimes I'm actually going to be going against the traffic. But I believe in him so much that I'm just going to keep moving on. I believe God wants to do a spiritual work in our city. He wants to transform this city. And this, this is a city that needs Jesus. But it starts in our hearts right here and in every church in this city. We quit playing with Jesus, but actually make it serious. 
Quit pretending. Quit kind of just floating along, but just say, no, no, this is my life. And I'm doing this. I'm following. I'm obeying Jesus. And I'm, I'm going to share this message. I'm going to take it wherever I can, however I can, to whomever I can. I believe God's inviting us to do that today. So team, would you come up? And they're going to lead us in a closing song. And We want to see people come to Alpha in the fall. We want to see people come next week and hear the baptismal stories. We want to see people come on July 24th, on August 28th. We want to see people come to your backyard because you invite them into your backyard just to share your life with them and, into, and, and as a possibility, as a precursor to them discovering Jesus. I mean, let's be on this mission together this summer. Take people out in your boat, invite them out to the lake, whatever you do. Go frisbee golf. What, what, just be invested. It's not my job to do this. It's our job to do this. We do this together. So I invite you, let, let's... let's be the witnesses of Jesus Christ here in Lloydminster. Would you pray with me? If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I invite you to, to receive him today. He died for you, he rose again. And he offers you this free gift of salvation if you will believe in him today. Repent, turn away from your sins, and turn towards Jesus Christ. Christians, maybe you hear the voice of Christ knocking on your door today too. Saying, I know you believe in me, but you haven't really invited me into your life. I'm standing at the door saying, yeah, I, I could take you places, but you're still on the outside. Maybe today's the day. Say, no, Lord, I, I believe in you, but I haven't been inviting you to walk with me every day. Now, now I'm, I'm prepared to move forward with you. Today's the day I just invite you to, to recommit, to rededicate your life, to surrender to him afresh today. And so, Lord, we ask for your power, spiritual power, to boldly share the name of Jesus in our city, in every workplace, in every school, in every gymnasium, in every ice rink, in every soccer field, and football field. Lord, in, 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 in every well site, in every, you know, every place where, where your people are walking and living and doing life. May the name of Jesus be lifted up and exalted and seen. May we be known as the people who have been with Jesus. Put your mark upon our lives so that we can share it and show it to our city for your glory. Bring people to Christ, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The one thing that we will not be doing in heaven is witnessing. Because everyone there is going to know Jesus. It is the one thing that we can do on this earth that we will not be doing in eternity. The one commission Jesus has given to us. Go and make disciples. Be my witnesses. You're where you are for a reason. God wants to use you there. And may he use you this week. And now, O oh Lord, grant your servants boldness and courage to speak the name of Jesus, to share the good news of the gospel of, the, of Jesus Christ where they are, in their schools, in their shops, in their offices, in their neighborhoods, in the recreation facilities they attend. Lord, wherever you place them, at the lake, Lord, use these, your servants. Grant us courage to share, and may lives be transformed through Jesus. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everybody said... God bless you. See you next week at 10 a.m.